RadioInfluence.com. He got him in the white trunks. He heard him. That's beautiful. Oh, God. That's beautiful. He's got it. And he forced the top. Wow. And it's all over. It's all over. First round knockout. He's now Rich Franklin retains his belt. The one thing that I never thought in a million years would happen happened. The champion. The challenger. Here we go! This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. What is up, everyone? It is time for another interview edition of the MMA Report podcast. It is Monday, April the 3rd, 2023. Actually recording this here late on a Monday evening. Do apologize not getting the podcast out there on a Sunday, but uh, life's been crazy for your boy Jason here, so trying to get uh, some things cranked away. But I do got four fire interviews here on this episode of the podcast. You're going to hear from a man who is coming off a second-round victory at UFC San Antonio, Daniel Pineda, getting that second-round submission win against Tucker Lutz. Had a chance to uh, catch up with Daniel Talked to him about a range of topics, including the victory against Tucker Lux. The fact that it was the first time we had seen an MMA competition since June of 2021. Talked about the fact of uh, he's not really a social media guy. Found out exactly uh, why that is. And uh, also reveals that if he didn't get the win at UFC San Antonio, yeah, he was likely going to call it a career. But, of course, that career is not coming to an end. Then you're going to hear uh, my conversation with the man who won the interim Bantamweight title at LFA 155, Jarrell Hodge. As the guy, you know, you name decision victory there against Rafael Dos Nascimento. A uh, great match if you not see it there over there on UFC Fight Pass. One of the, the funniest things I thought was a fight was in, in the first round where Terrell lands a, a body head combination and he just gives that look at uh, at uh, to like, yeah, I caught you, bro. I caught you, bro. But I uh, had a, catch to, a chance to catch up with him, talk to him about that victory. What could be next? Is he looking to potentially get unify the LFA Bantamweight title or is uh, if that call from the UFC comes is that going to be his number one priority then you're going to hear from two men who are working their way up the professional ranks you're going to hear from Justice Torres who's now 7-0 and in his career got a second round TKO win there Fury Challenger Series 3 spoke to him about uh, that victory that he had there against Nick a second round victory 27 seconds using leg kicks to get the victory also talked to him about uh, an IG post that he had about why he loved loves the fight game and why he loves the violence that comes with it. And this is a man that uh, is uh, fighting in family. That is what his life revolves around. So you hear from him. And then the final conversation you can hear from a man who trains out extreme couture is now two and O in his professional career. And that is Eli Barzilay who's coming off a victory there at cage warriors Northwest two there at the end of the March got a 23 second win against Christian Figueroa. And he has only spent 50 five seconds inside the cage in his two professional fights and he goes by the moniker no excuse no complaints no bullshit just grind so you're gonna hear that conversation that i had with eli here coming up here very momentarily of course uh, the big news of the day obviously is the fact of uh wwe and the ufc now under the same umbrella with endeavor so that's gonna be kind of interesting to see how it plays out really be honest with you i haven't really you know taken a deep dive into exactly how this is all going to look uh you know for 
you know, for the industry and what's going to mean for, for the UFC and, and kind of what it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to kind of see how that thing plays out of, you know, how uh, these two brown two brands are going to work together. I will tell you, when I did see that picture of Vince McMahon the mustache, man, he just looked, uh, that, that's just a, a very uh, odd look to me. But it, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this, uh, you know, the fact that these brands being, you know, being under the same umbrella of exactly how that is going to work. Uh, of course, also this week is UFC 287 Fight Week. Looking forward, uh, you know, to those fights there on Saturday. Of course, later on this week, myself and Daniel, we are going to be going out. You know, we'll have a, a preview show for UFC 287. So look forward to uh, talking up with Daniel. But, uh, of course, this is the interview edition. So let's get right into the interviews. Up first, you're going to hear a conversation with Daniel Pineda. Then it'll be with Jarrell Hodge. Then it will be with Justin Torres. And the final interview will be with Eli Barzai. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who is coming off a victory here at UFC San Antonio and just... What he wrote on Instagram, which we know he's not a very social media active guy. What a fucking night. That, and of course, you see him there, Daniel Pineda. Daniel, man, congratulations on the victory. First of all, I got to start there. You know, so I'm, you know, doing, you know, doing some stuff, you know, with you, researching, you know, find some things. And I, I even said to your management, I go, hey, uh, is Daniel not a, an IG guy? And they go, no, he's not. Right, so he's, <laughs> it, it, obviously, that's done all purpose. Is it just one of those things of like, uh, it's just not me? No, nah, man, I just, I like keeping my life personal, you know, like just, just private, you know, private life, man. Just, I'm not really too much into social media or nothing like that, you know? I mean, my management's trying to get me to do it, but it's just, it's hard, you know? But, but like I mentioned, you know, you, you had a post right after the fight. It was a picture of, you know, from fight night. And like I said, you, you wrote, what a fucking night. Like, as you think about just fight week and obviously it had been a long time since we'd seen you inside the octagon like how do you describe what fight week was like for you and also fight night uh man it was uh we had one of our best cuts like the weight cut was awesome so fight week was awesome and uh i didn't have to kill myself you know like usually i'm cutting about 13 pounds like 13 or 14 pounds the night of you know like that so I weigh in Friday. So that Thursday night, I will cut like 14 pounds. And this time I cut, I think I cut maybe three pounds in the morning of Thursday. And I, I cut three and a half the morning of. So I only had like seven pounds to cut in that whole day. And I cut it in the morning. So man, it was one of my best cuts, man. I felt good. I felt great. It was like just perfect. Did you make changes throughout the fight camp that, that led to not having to cut as much weight as you typically have done? Yeah. Uh, usually I'm like, okay, I'm, I want to stay heavy, you know, so I can cut the weight and then I get, get heavy right back up, you know, but you know, I went to the UFC, the PI, you know, I never pay attention, man. I don't take advantage of all that stuff. You know, like I got free PI, I can go to Vegas, go train, go do everything. And this time, I went out there, I talked to the nutritionists, they told me what to do, they sent me my meals, they told me how to water load, and I'm like, man, this shit works. <laughs> I should have been doing this long time ago, you know? I probably would have been a 35er. <laughs> I've had guys talk about going out to the PEI and, and you you sit down with, with the, the trainers at the PEI and they, you know, they, they do all the tests and, and they talk about how you can maximize your own performance based on your body. Is there something they said to you that was like, it was kind of like that, oh my God type moment? 
Uh, no, it was actually kind of nerve-wracking how they were telling me to do it, you know? And they're like, like this drinking water, you know, like, I usually don't drink as much water the week off. They're like, no, push it to more water, push it to two gallons, two gallons Monday, two gallons Tuesday. I'm like, damn, I don't drink that much water. You know, I drink maybe, maybe half a gallon, you know what I'm saying, a day or even less. But they're making me drink like all this water, man. And I mean, I was nervous. I, I told him, I was like, man, I miss weight. Y'all gonna be paying my percentage. <laughs> and, you know, thank God I listened to them. I took a chance and man, it, it's been working out. You know, it was with Philly, I had a good weight cut. And with this one, I had a good weight cut. I learned from the Cub when I got dropped for being a dummy. You know what I'm saying? I cut too much weight. So yeah, I had to learn the hard way. Like, I mean, you talk about obviously the changes that, that happened, you know, after being at the PI, like during training camp, did you feel the differences? Yeah. Like, like just water, like the water I'm drinking and everything. I stopped sodas. I try to cut down a little bit on the energy drinks. I still do them a lot. You know, I'll just get to get motivated. You know, it's like, I need some energy drinks, you know, drink <laughs> I know. just here, just there, man. I keep, I just. The monsters, they keep coming. They yeah, go ahead and that's what they need to do. I used to be a monster guy. Now now I'm I'm on the Celsius kick. Man, I haven't tried those. I have not tried those. Are they even strong? I mean, do you think no. me- no, I mean I, I think for me it, it's kind of it gives me the, the same type of like just because like I'm I'm an early riser. I mean I, I, I typically get up anywhere between six and seven. And I ideally, ideally I'm at the gym by seven 30. Ideally <laughs> that, that doesn't always uh, happen that way. But, uh, but, but I'm also like, you know, I, I I'm, I'm involved in businesses, so I'm working all day long. So it's like there, there becomes that there's that point in that day where I'm like, Oh man, I need, I need something to get me going. You know, I got to imagine it's got to be the same for you when you're in the, the hardcore of a training camp of, you know, trying to get in multiple sessions a day. Yeah, yeah. I, usually I try to get about two in, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, like I get two training sessions a day, one in the morning at 10 in the morning and then one at five, five to eight. So I don't be doing three workouts a day. I'm going to die. I remember like there was one guy who said he's like, he's like, I had that mentality. If I got to work out three times a day, got to work out. Then the PI, PI says to him, says, you're actually hurting yourself by doing that. Um, you're over. You know, and that's how people get sick and everything. You know what I'm saying? Like when you overwake in your body, you stay sore and it's just like you need some time off sometimes, you know, like I take at least a day and a day and I have a week. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll train once a day, like one Saturday and then I take Sunday off, you know, and come back fresh Monday. Now, in, in terms of this victory against Tucker, I mean, like as you think about how it played out in your mind leading up to the fight and how it play ultimately play out on fight night. Did it play out the way you thought it would? I knew it was going to be a tough fight. I knew, I, I was like, it's going to be a tough fight. I mean, people don't finish them. You know what I'm saying? And that was my goal was to try to finish them because that's what I do. You know, I try to finish what I go with. So I knew it was going to be a tough fight, but I, I, what I didn't know he was going to push straight forward. Like, I thought he'd be like, he ain't going to push forward. No, he fucking pushed straight forward. I was like, all right. You know what I'm saying? And I like it, you know, because that's the way I fight. But I was trying to change my ways and not really push forward. You know, I actually backed up in this fight a little bit. I usually don't back up. And this time I backed up a little bit, caught my hair, relaxed. I got hit. I didn't trip out. 
start freaking like a bull, just start going forward, you know? So, man, that just, you know, my coaches, that a big part of it, man, helping me out, have my brother in my corner. It's been a while since I've had him in my corner. And obviously you were very emotional, you know, was that more about being in the state of Texas and, and obviously it'd been so long since we'd seen you in there. Was it just kind of those just emotions just kind of poured out of you? Oh yeah. And having my daughter there, you know, for the first time, you know, she's actually, well, she's two and a half now. She, she knows what's going on. You know what I'm saying? She saw the little couple of bumps in my face and she's like, bah, bah, bah. I'm all like, yes, mama. She he hit me. He hit me. Go get his ass. So, yeah, like, she understands now the fighting and everything, you know, and she was, like, she tripped out, like, like just quiet, me mugging everybody, watching me fight. So it was pretty cool. Was there a moment when you said, okay, it's time to allow my daughter to come to my fight? I didn't even want her to come to this one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, uh, they, they snuck her in there, you know? My family snuck her in there and... Like, without me knowing it, you know? So, when I finished the fight, that's my first time seeing her. Like, they handed her to me, like, your daughter. I'm like, wow, that got me right. I was like, you know what I'm saying? Just seeing your baby girl, you know, she actually got to see you, you know, go out with the victory like that. It's one of the best things, man. You know, and we, we mentioned about, you know, the time off and everything you had there. Did, did you feel your back was against the wall in this one? No, man, honestly, man, I, I fought so much, man, that, you know, people are like, oh, there was there ring dust out of it, man? There, there was not. Oh, it was your last fight. They, I was like, you know what I'm saying? I was I was already planning, you know, in, in this fight game, man, it, I mean, one punch can change everything. You know, you can be winning the whole fight, next thing you know, you get caught and you're done. You know what I'm saying? So you got to know how to lose, you know, and uh, I was ready for anything that happened that night. You know what I'm saying? I said, if I lose, I'm going to retire. If I win, I'm going to retire unless they give me more money. You know what I'm saying? That was all in my mind already. You know, I told all my family and everything. And it played out good. And we talked to the UFC. And uh, it looks like I'm still not going to retire. Okay. So, I mean, hearing you say that, that makes me go, are you at that stage of your life where it's just taking it one fight at a time and figuring out what the future holds? Uh, pretty much what it was is, man, I love doing this. I love doing this. I mean, I wake up, you know, and I'm thinking about going to the gym and that's why I, I, I bought the gym, you know, so I can be there, you know what I'm saying? Help people out. But that I want to retire. No, I don't. I mean, I feel like I'm freaking 27. You know what I'm saying? I go with guys that are way younger and I still throw them around. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like, I don't want to retire. This was my first time being hurt. You know, when I tore my MCL, I tore my calf. I mean, this is actually one of the first times I ever pulled out of a fight with, what's his name, Jamal Amherst. You know, that was my first time pulling out. And, uh, man, that got to me. I'm like, damn, I pulled out of this freaking fight. You know, so I owe Jamal Amherst a fight. So if he wants to fight, I'm more than willing to take that fight again. You know what I'm saying? You talk about, you know, getting into the gym business is part of that mindset. I mean, obviously there's a, a financial component to that of, you know, setting yourself up for, you know, life after fighting, but is it also part of it about paying it forward, you know, and being able to, to show the younger generation, the things that you've learned through martial arts? Yeah. I saw, so, yeah, I'm trying to show them not to not go my way. You know what I'm saying? Cause I win the hard way. You know what I'm saying? All these, I mean, I literally took any fight that they offered me. I mean, ask Mick. 
and he didn't have one problem with me fighting for his whole promotion. What was it? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he would ask me, Hey, you want to fight this guy? Done. Like, I don't even have to see the opponent. I just take the fight, you know, and that's how I always been. So I'm trying to teach them not to do that. <laughs> take smart fights because they don't, they don't care if you fight the best in the world. They care about your record. You know, so I'm trying to help my guys out. You know, like I said, man, there's all these young bugs getting in the UFC, and then they get in the UFC, they end up going with a guy that's fucking tough, and they they fight three times and they're out. You know what I'm saying? It's not easy coming back. So that's why I'm kind of excited that I went the hard way. You know, I fought the best. I got in there. I was already expecting that kind of, you know what I'm saying? That kind of, I mean, it was even harder in the UFC, but Yeah. You know, I, I've talked to managers about that, you know, whether we're talking about a, a regional level fighter or a UFC fighter and, and talking about, you know, making sure that you're finding the right fights. Was there, has there been a switch in your mentality with that of sitting there and, and be, you know, if, you know, Jason House calls you up and says, hey, uh, we've got this fight. Was there maybe a, an older youth that said, okay, whoever, but maybe the newer youth like, Hold on, let me let me look this file. Let me make sure this is the the right way I want to go. I still haven't learned. <laughs> I'm saying I'm helping my guys out, not me. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the UFC. I have to take any fight they offer me. I don't say no to nobody. You put me in there against whoever. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's just me. You know, I got a, I got a lot of fights. I just I can't say no to nobody, man. Then I feel like a little punk, like. Oh, fuck, I'm, I'm scared of this guy? No, I ain't scared of nobody. We're going to fight anybody they put in front of me. But my guys, though, we're trying to find smart fights. All right, that makes yeah. you think about, obviously, we, we've seen the, you know, the UFC for a long time. As you think about your most memorable night in the octagon, is there one that sticks out to you? The, I, I, I mean, I said it. It was uh, Australia. Australia was one of, like, the best ones man i mean it was it sucks because that was a first fight and just think about this right usually whenever you you're the first fight there's nobody in the stands right mm. i was the first fucking fight at 10 a.m in the morning everybody was drunk off their ass and it was <laughs> and it was packed and it was one of the biggest arenas i've been in and it was packed and everybody was drunk i was like that was one of the best like just walking out to that and seeing that you're like wow like it just took all my nerves away and everything. It just made me want to fight. Like I said, I think I think the the fans, the, the like you know, just people there makes me fight. Like, like so. do you, you know, because there was obviously this, this long period of fights because of COVID, of where you were fighting thirty people. You know, you know, and, and we were talking about production crew and all that. Like, do you feel like for your fighting style, like? Not having the fans there is something that it's like, oh man, I need, I need, I need that energy. I need it, man. I, I really do. Like, I can't like, how to say, if you want me to perform like to my best, I need to be in an arena full of people. You know what I'm saying? Like that, who doesn't want to fight in front of people? I mean, there is people that don't want to fight in front of people. You know what I'm saying? Like they get nervous, you know, but it don't get to me. Like it, it gets me going. It gets me going, you know what I'm saying? Hearing everybody cheering, yelling. You when he kicks me in there, everybody's oh. I'm like, oh, you motherfucker! Now I got to get you back. So it's all, you know. And you can see it in the fight when he kicked me the first. I'm like, all right. And he kicked me again. I'm like, all right, bitch. What? Let me show you a leg kick. You know. <laughs> I'm like, fuck yeah, you know. And I like that. 
So I, I hate media. I hate attention. But once I'm in the fight, I want to hear the crowd. You mentioned about Jamal Emers. Is that a fight that, hey, if Jamal wants it, we, we can run this thing back. Is there something about that fight that intrigued you the most? That I pulled out. And like I said, it was one of my first fights ever pulling out. I've never pulled out of a fight. You know what I'm saying? I literally had a broken rib, broken toe, and I still fight. You know, hurt neck, hurt wrist, and I, I'm still fighting. You know what I'm saying? But this one, I tore my I tore my MCL. And I kept training. I didn't even know it was torn all the way. I thought I just pulled something. And I kept training for two more weeks. I was pushing the sled and everything, but out of nowhere, my shit just popped out. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Next thing I just start crying. I'm like, I gotta go get fucking checked. I called my manager. It was like three weeks for the fight. I called my manager, I was like, man, I gotta go get my knee checked. He's like, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. So we went checked and it was a full tear. It was like straight tear and I was training training in it you know i'll just duct tape it if anybody knows me they know duct tape fixes on me i could be my wrist it could be my ankles it could be my knees anything it is duct tape will fix it <laughs> like, like that, that makes me think about like was that time period where you had to pull out of the fight you mentioned about like this is just not what i do was that one of the more lower moments of your career Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 big time. Like I said, man, I don't pull out. And I pulled out and I felt like I let, you know, like I feel bad for him, too, because he's getting ready. You know what I'm saying? He has to pull out of a fight. You know, like, damn, like I'm already ready for a fight and everything. So I feel like I let a lot of people down. You know, people bought tickets. It, I mean, just everything, you know, plane tickets to go. And next thing you know, I had to pull out. And I'm like, fuck, dude, like, do I pay out back or something? Like, <laughs> you're taking money or something. You know what I'm saying? So it just... It sucks, man. That's why I don't like pulling down the fights, you know? A lot of people look forward to seeing you. You know what I'm saying? It's like like one of the main events. Say there's a main event fight, everybody's buying the pay-per-view, and the guy pulls out. You're like, fuck. You know, I was I bought the pay-per-view for that fight. You know, and, and it sucks. So, yeah, that that's that's why it sucks. That's why I don't pull out, man. Look, I, I think of, and, and we've seen this happen several times over the past year or so, of it's fight night. And someone's warming up and then someone has to go to that fire and go, hey, FYI, your opponent just pulled out. Like I think of a, a couple weeks ago when uh, Volkov had to pull out because of, of a food a food illness. And Ryan Spann has to learn his fights off. And I'm like, that has got to be one of the biggest mental mind Fs for a fighter. No, it, it is. I mean, it, it just happened in San Antonio. Uh, that Alex, I think his name is Alex. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was in the locker room. He didn't look good, man. He looked kind of wobbly. We looked at him. We're like, man, what's his coach is like, hey, warm up. Next thing you know, done. So, I mean, that sucks, you know? It sucks. It's real. You know, it's, it's real. People don't get it. I mean, I don't know if he was sick. I don't know if the nerves got to him or. No, or he what. um he had a seizure. A seizure. See what I'm saying? We don't know what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, I, mean, I, I, I saw it was the next day. He put it. He put it. I want to say it was on his Facebook page. And they put it on, you know, all the social media that, yeah, he had a seizure. And, like, you, when you read that, I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah. No, it sucked. I mean, he was there in the locker room with us, I'm telling you. which is just like, and I'm there getting ready for a fight. And I, you see something like that, you're like, fuck. <laughs> you know, like, that's what moved me to the main card because his fight was off. Yeah, so, like th th that also makes me think about, it, like, you're in the back warming up. And now your fight's been mm -hmm. delayed 
15, 20 minutes. An hour. No, no, no. It was like 45 to an hour. I was ready to walk out. I was supposed to walk out at like 5, I think it was like 5, 25, 5.30. I was supposed to walk out. And I didn't fight till like 6.10. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you get your heart rate up so high. And next thing you know, they're like, hey, you got to wait. You're like, what the fuck? Like, well, no, I got to calm down. And then I got to warm up again 20 minutes later. It's like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, yeah, that's one of those things I, I, you know, and just being around sports all my, all my life. And yeah, that's, I can only imagine what that's like for you. But in terms of uh, getting back in there, you know, are you thinking June, July? Is that kind of the target? I, I, I there was a, this little bit of a media of uh, Dallas. AT&T Stadium, Cowboy Stadium. I'm a big Cowboys fan. I was born in Dallas, so I already hit my manager. He's like, hey, so what's up? <laughs> Get me in that card. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's real or not, you know, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure y'all heard about it too. So I've heard that rumble. It's like, would that be like a bucket list venue for you? Hell yeah. My, the Cowboy Stadium. I'm like the biggest Cowboy fan, man, you know, and, uh, that that be that be and that's crazy, you know. And then fighting in a McGregor versus Chandler kind of fight, you know how big that fight's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that that'll be a fight. Let me get that one started too. Let me be the first fight <laughs> of the pay per view on that one. That that'll be a badass one too, right there. Yeah, it's uh, I, I've been the Cowboy Stadium a couple of times, and I tell people that one of the to me one of the craziest things about that stadium is when they open the gates. And you see all these people who have bought standing room only tickets who are literally running to a spot because they're trying to get that best spot possible. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's, I've heard of that too. I've heard of that. They all run just trying to get to the best spot. Yeah. But they say like, like it's badass because like big old screen up there, you can see yeah. it. Man, that, you know what? I feel like I'm not a cowboy fan. I can't believe I still haven't been there. Can you believe that? It, it's it's uh, it's an unbelievable stadium. It's it's massive. Um, I will tell you, it's hard during the game to not pay attention to the scoreboard, just because it's so massive. Yeah, but Damn. I, I I'm, I'm like, but to me, like when you know, you know, just being in in football broadcasting, I try to watch the entire field. I don't really watch yeah. the ball, you know, you know, because I, I you know. Cause then I can see like how, how things developing, what's the defense playing, what's the offense doing, you know? Yeah. 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 We watch a lot of football, man, right here at the house. So that's one thing that we've been wanting to go, but every time is I like, damn, we're going to go all the way out there. We're going to get drunk. Then it's four hours back home. Oh, uh, you know, I got my daughter there. I got to find somebody to take care of her. It's like, uh, we just watch it on TV. <laughs> I get you. I get you. Sometimes it is very enjoyable to sit at home when that uh, that refrigerator is close by, the bathroom's close by. You can cook your own food. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to wait an hour just to go to the restroom, you know. So, yeah, exactly, oh, yeah. exactly. But uh, Daniel, man, as always, uh, appreciate the time. Appreciate you coming on the show. If there's anything else you want to mention, uh, for George, man. Oh man, thanks for having me. Like I said, man, I guess we still am retiring. Uh, I guess they'll let it go soon enough, but we did talk to UFC and I'm not retiring. Just know that I'm coming back and hopefully it's in Dallas. 
Joining me now here on the MMA Report is the man who won the interim bantamweight title at LFA 155. Drell, congratulations on the victory. You know, I was going back and, and I'm watching the fight, and uh, there was a couple of things that stuck out here in the fight. First round, you hit him with a body head combination, and you just, like, you smile, you give this, like, as the viewer, it uh-huh. had that look of, like, you were like, gotcha. <laughs> Most definitely, I mean, it- you know, uh, it's always good when you get somebody and when you're able to get in on them, and they know it too. You 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 put that you put that power on. They felt that he felt that. In the second round, you had to weather some adversity with the uh, yeah. the submission defense, and obviously, I'm sure that was a huge part of, of your preparations for for this matchup. I mean, like as you go back and you watch that 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 second round, and, and you know when you're you know defending the the various, particularly the Kimura attempt, uh, you know as he got to the ground, like you know. Do you remember what you were thinking in that moment? Oh, so all right. So I was I was getting ready to pick him up and slam him. But then I noticed I was in too deep and he had his uh he had the Kamora over my shoulder. So I couldn't really pull it out. I'm like, all right, so I'm screwed right now, but stay composed. Get ready for him to try to yank it, and I gotta roll with it and try to find my way out the back door. So I was like, I knew I was in too deep because I, I I was ready to slam him, but I'm like, dang, he got my shoulder locked with the Kamora. Couldn't yank it out, so I was like, okay, so you just got to get ready. Get ready, get ready. And then, you know, as I go back, I could have did more things when I went back and watched the fight, but, you know, you live and you learn, and, you know, I I learned. I learned, so, (laughs) and I'm still living. What's the biggest learning lesson from the fight? Uh, I mean, you know, I I, learning-wise, it's just um, I got to get more groundwork in. You know, I feel comfortable on the ground. I had many uh, submissions in my other fights, you know. He was a good guy on the ground, but, um, just got to get more jujitsu, more and more. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I did pretty amazing. I, I, I was composed. I went all five rounds at the same pace from start to end. And, uh, you know, I feel like I did my job. Interesting you bring up pace because yeah. there was definitely a moment once we hit the championship rounds that it just seemed like he couldn't compete at the pace that you could compete at. It is in the moment, like, cause like to me, like, you know, we, we talk about body language in, in, in competition right. and to me, like he was showing, um, you know, body emotions of like, Oh, these championship rounds are hitting him, him a little different. Bro. I saw that in the third round. I think he couldn't finish that up when he had my back in the second round for like two minutes and that's his favorite spot to be at. And I know he could, I knew he couldn't submit me. Like I was, I felt I was too composed. I was confident down there, and I, I didn't feel no pressure, no worry at all. I text all my people like, "Hey, y'all, I'm sorry if if I get y'all scared in the second round, but I was okay." And um, after that second round, he come out in the third. I kind of felt like I broke his spirit because he couldn't get what he was good at. And, and of course, obviously, the decision goes your way. I don't think there was really any doubt uh, in anyone's mind. Um, yeah. Were you at all surprised about the forty-eight forty-seven scorecard? Uh, the close one, uh, a little bit, a little bit, but it, I still end up winning. But yeah, I was definitely a little bit surprised about that one. when I heard the first one. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, yeah, that's right. N- that was a little weird, off. But all right, all right, we're gonna let it roll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously the second round people will look at it and say, okay, that that's a round that you lost. Um, right. But yeah, you know, outside of that, I went when when I heard forty eight forty seven. I was like, that's kind of <laughs> interesting. 
I was thinking third round, he he had my back for a minute, but then I reversed it for a minute, and I was on top for the last minute of the round, well, minute and a half or so, and I had more control. And I was like, all right, whatever. Well, yeah, that's close. <laughs> but, you know, the one thing about this was you getting back in inside mixed martial arts competition. I mean, you've done this for a long time, but you know, you had the boxing fight back, uh, you know, a year ago, back, you know, just just over a year ago. And, and the last time you stepped in MMA competition was November of 2021. Did, did you feel any uh, different vibes? I mean, I, I've been practicing. I still practice like, you know, for MMA fight. Whenever I go to the gym, I'm still going to the gym like I was training for a fight. You know, I just wasn't cutting weight like I was training for a fight. But, um. No, not at all. You know, I, I mean, this is where I belong. I'm comfortable. This is I've been doing this for so long. And like I said to the when I had a couple of interviews before when I was talking to the LFA, they was like, yeah, this is a big platform. I'm like, yeah, it's a big platform. But, you know, every platform is big. Every situation you go into is big. You know, you fighting for your life. You, you, this is not a game. You know, this is something that can really hurt you. So, like, I take everything serious, you know, I, and I never put too much on the platform because, you know, if you think about it too much, that's going to that's gonna mess up your mental. But I think from, and I'm guessing you probably can understand this from the outside looking in, we look at this and say, okay, we all kind of know the trajectory there is to becoming an LFA champion to, you know, getting to those three letters. And, you know, we, I think we all kind of on the outside look at it and say, obviously it's the biggest fight of your career, but yeah. how, how do you kind of keep that mindset of it's just another fight? Just got to keep reminding myself it's just another fight. And I go back and look at uh, the people he fought. I'm like, I fought, I've seen guys that I fought that probably fought better comp uh, opponents than he fought. I mean, it's just he just fought him on a bigger stage. And, like, it's just another fight. And I just got to keep reminding myself that. And, you know, my coaches, my coach all day was just, he just kept talking about it and saying how big it was. I'm like, relax. It's just another fight. Let's Let's have breakfast. Let's eat. And, you know, talk about other life stuff. You know, life goes on, you know, win or lose. But it's just another fight. It's interesting you bring that up because we, we talk about different coaching styles and how coaches relate their style based to the athlete. I want to say it's after the third round. Yeah. I mean, he was getting uh, animated. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, he loves it, man. He he was part of my life when they gave me the name Thundercat. So, yeah, he he bring that up every time I come in the gym. Thundercat. Yeah, he, he's my dude, man. We we brothers. We've been close from the beginning of my career to where I'm at now. Do you like the nickname Thundercat? <laughs> I like it, you know, but I can get something better. But, I, I mean, it's been with me since the beginning of my career. So, and people know me by that, too. So, yeah, I, I like it. I like it, but I don't. It's 50-50. It's <laughs> so, how did you get it? Uh, so my first time going into a, make like a mixed martial arts or more just like a, like a titles gym, you know, just a whole bunch of bags and just getting your cardio workout. So my first time going in there, I was wearing a Thundercat shirt that I bought from Walmart, you know, and back in the day we used to cut sleeves off so you could show your muscles and I, cut, you know, cut sleeves off and I show my muscles. My coaches, Bill Duff, he was like, we're going to start calling you Thundercat. I'm like, uh, okay, all right, I, I work with it. And then from there, he just gave it to me and we rode with it ever since. And you mentioned about you've been doing this thing for a long time. That Amy ba debut back in 2011, at least according to Topology, that's when the Amy debut take place. Like, as you think about how you viewed the fight game back in 2011, to how you view it now, how drastically different is it? Ah man, guys, back in the day, they wanted to fight. You know, it wasn't no pick and choosing. You know, you fought. You you had opponent. They gave you opponent. 
it doesn't matter what his record was or what were you trying to do in your career, you you fought. You know, you we fought the best back in the day. I feel like back in my day. And now, you know, I feel like guys is choosing. Like, I don't want to fight him. He's too good. He he got a good rec better record than me. And I'm like, come on, man. We we signed up to fight. Fight. For you, what's next? Uh, what, what, what's what's the? I mean, I'm sure there's obviously a part of you that you know, look that that notable offer comes, but how much yeah. of it is like you know, I, I want to unify these belts. You know what? I was watching um the guy that's the champ now LFA. I'm sorry, I suck at names. And I wasn't impressed at all. So like, I feel like I am the champ, and if if he feel like he better than me, I mean, I'm down. You know, like, I like I love the fight. So if he want to fight. And LFA come at me with a contract, and before the UFC, I mean, we'll fight. I just love this part of my life, man. I've been doing this forever, so if it's a good fight and the crowd gonna love it, we gonna give them a show. Do you remember when the love for the fight came? Like when you had that realization? <clears throat> man, so I always competed in my life growing up. I did wrestling growing up in high school and everything. I always was involved in like one on one sports from karate. My first MMA fight, man, that, that adrenaline you had going in that cage and getting that knockout and slamming somebody without having to really control them to take them down, I, I loved it, man. So ever since my first fight, I was hooked. And, you know, I told my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, but I told her, like, yeah, baby, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Just one fight, and then I'm done. After that first one, I was like, I lied. I'm sorry. I'm hooked. I'm stuck in the game. <laughs> okay. Was she on board for you going down this path? At first, so she was pregnant with my son, our, our son. Our oldest son is 11. So she was pregnant with him. She didn't come to the first fight. She stayed at home, and she was like, I want to say a couple months, maybe eight. She was really showing. So she stayed at home, which I understand. And we kept her posted with the Texas and everything. From but after that, every fight she'd been to every fight since then, and she'd be helping people out in the crowd. You know, telling them what to do or telling you know fans like, "Hey, no, this is a Kimura. This is a triangle. He he got control." So it, she she loves the game much more than me. Now, can you hear her voice while you're fighting? Oh yeah, bro, so much like out of her, Dave and my and my. Uh, youngest brother because he just got a big mouth <laughs> you could probably hear him in the last video um most definitely i had her in my corner a couple times and i can hear her it doesn't matter where she had in the building i can always pinpoint where my wife is at now in terms of uh obviously family's got it's got to be the number one motivation for you like what, what would you label as the next biggest motivation um after my family you know just friends in general you know because People come out on social media and they be like, hey, man, I want to get tickets to your fight. You know, just seeing people interested in my career and want to follow me and, you know, just show love. And that means a lot because sometimes when I don't want to cut that 10 pounds or eight pounds, I get that message on my yeah. Facebook or something or somebody motivate me or motivating somebody. And that just made me go outside and, you know, work harder to lose that lose that weight. Because sometimes I'll be like, man, this cheeseburger or this treadmill cheeseburger. <laughs> so yeah most definitely the fans do, do motivate me in, in terms of uh have you thought about when you would like to get you know, the next fight in uh, i just before we got on the phone bro i just talked to my manager he was like all right so you you, you good i'm like yeah i'm good I'm, I'm fat right now but you know nothing really hurting uh my leg a little sore but it won't stop me from doing any extra cardio so i told him next week i'm gonna get back in the gym he said they pushing you know for you know the next two big shows bellator ufc so 
I was like, hey, you push it, I'm gonna start cutting this weight. So that's the plan. But I don't. You gotta be ready. They say you gotta be ready. Stay ready. That's what they all. Yeah. They all <laughs> that's what they always say. Because you never know. You never know when that call could come. And uh, we look forward to seeing uh, where we see you back inside competition next. Of course, uh, let me know they can find you on social media and anything else you want to mention, man. Uh yeah. Uh, appreciate everybody that tuned in. Appreciate everybody that came out to the fights last Friday. Um, follow me on social media. Uh, Takeoff underscore rail at one one thirty five or Rail Hodge on Facebook uh, and, and Twitter. So appreciate everybody. Joining me now is a man who's now 7-0 in his pro mixed martial arts career as he got a second-round victory there at Fury Challenger Series 3. It is Justice Torres. Justice, so congratulations on the victory. Another stoppage victory for you here, man. Uh, yeah, obviously, some time has passed since, you, some, since the matchup took place. Uh, so, like, what? what's your thoughts on the fight? Um, Looking back at it, I'm not I'm, – uh, I mean, I'm definitely satisfied with the win. I wanted, obviously, I wanted to get like a, like an actual knockout, but uh, I'll, t- I'll take it. TKO leg kicks. I've, I've always wanted one of those, so I'm, I'll go with it. Is there a particular reason why you've always wanted uh, a TKO via leg kicks? Just like after watching like um, Jose Aldo and seeing like the way he kicks, and just you know, just it just it seems like something to be real cool to have on on your resume, you know. And I'm not much of a kicker either. So afterward, I went to my corner and I go, I guess I'm a kicker now. Like I didn't, I was, I was kind of surprised myself. You, you know, you had this Instagram post where you said, I love this fight game and I love the violence that comes with it. Is there a moment when you realize that you had love for the fight game? The, the moment I started it, like just like the moment I, I mean, honestly, I've always, I mean, I guess it's not really good to be fighting as a young kid, but I was always like getting into fights. I've always loved that, that, you know, that chaos in it. And so I was always one to, you know, never shy away from a fight. And so whenever I started, you know, fighting and just seeing that, like what comes with it, it just, you know, I just fell in love with the sport and that was it. So when did you actually walk into a mixed martial arts gym? When I was 19. So I'm 25 now. Um, I was, yeah, I was 19. I went with my buddy and we just, uh, well, actually take that back. Let me, I'm, I'm lying right now. So I originally first stepped into a gym whenever I was like 12 and I just walked in, I tried class and I just did jujitsu and that I loved. I didn't know what I was doing, uh-huh. but I loved it. Like I just loved it. And then, so I never went back, but cause you know, I just couldn't afford it. My mom never, you know, just his life really. Yeah. So then in 19, I was like, you know what? I want to do this for real. Like I'm going to, I need to do something with my life. And I've always loved fighting. So when 19, I found a small gym, started training. And then that was it. I was, I was hooked. And the AMI debut 2017 pro debut, uh, in 2021. And, uh, you know, your life, uh, your manager was telling me life for you evolved, revolves around fighting and your family. Um, yeah. so when you decide I'm going on this fighting path, and was your family on board with you going down this path or, or did it kind of take some time for them to kind of say, okay, we're, you know, this, if this is what you want to do, we support you. No, they were definitely very supportive. Uh, my, like my mom, my brothers, they always knew like, just as you're a fighter. Cause like I'm saying, I was always getting into fights, like, and like always just beating up on somebody like just like, cause a kid, I was a hothead. So I was one word and I was ready to go. So 
they're always like, you, you need to, you need to fight, you need to fight. And so once I started, they're like, you know, this is, this is really made, you're made for this. And then as far as like my wife and my kids, dude, they love it. Like my wife, she didn't even know what MMA was. And I took her, uh, we went to go watch, um, just a UFC event at like B-dubs. Uh-huh. And she was like, oh, this is, this is dope. I like this. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this one day. Watch. And she was like, oh, okay. And so I took her to a smoker and she, uh, she loved it. And from then on, she's, you know, she's been a hundred percent supportive. She helps me with everything. And then my son, he's a uh, man. It's like, I'm a superhero to him. So I love it. In terms of your wife, when she's, she's at the fights, is she mm-hmm. the loud family member? Is she the soft-spoken family member? Nah, she's uh, she's loud and proud. She's screaming. She's uh, she's actually just telling me she's like she gets like super nervous, but then like she's like once she sees me going, like she sees like my composure, like you know, it's just she gets real excited, and then she just she's screaming her head off from then on. It, you know, I was I was talking to, uh, to another fighter a little while ago, and and they were talking about how their their child just came to their first fight. Uh, what was the moment when you decided to start bringing your son to your fights? He went to, I want to, I think he's gone just uh, from the very beginning um, at a young age. Cause my son, my son, Dominic, he, uh, he's always been like my right hand man, like always hanging out with me. Even whenever, like I just hang out with my friends, like he's always there. So he's always been chill. So we're like, let's, let's see how he does. Let's see how he likes it. And um, he just loved it. And then, after that, I was like, you know, he'll, he'll continue to go. So my little one, he's one, he's not so much, he's the exact opposite. He's always all over the place and he can't sit still. So we, uh, we haven't, we haven't, we brought him the one time that was it. After that, he's going to have to like stay back. And I mentioned about that Instagram post you had about, you, you love the violence that comes with it, but there's also kind of like this line in a fight of, you know, not trying to get too uh, aggressive in a fight. How do you, how do you balance that, that line inside of a fight? Um, I'm just real, like, I just, I talk to myself a lot in my head mm-hmm. here. Hold, um, excuse me real quick. Let me grab a charger. I just saw my phone's going to die and I don't want to get hang up on you. But, um, I mean, as far as like the actual fight, I mean, um, I'm just real, real calm in there and I talk to myself. So that really helps out a lot. And you know, everything just kind of comes, comes natural after that. Like it just helps out. You talk about being calm. Has that, has that mm. always been a trait you've had in the fight or did it take time? I want to say I've always had that honestly. Cause, um, I just, I don't, I don't know, man. It's just something about getting in there. Like before the fight, I'm shitting bricks. I'm scared. It's, but honestly, like leading up to the, like, and as it goes, it slowly goes away. And once I start making that walk down the steps, it, um, those jitters go away, but yeah, once I'm in there, I don't know. I feel at peace. Like, I'm just like, it's just another day. Do you, do you feel like a different person in there? No, I wouldn't say, man, I don't know. I don't, I, it's we. It's weird. Kind of, I guess you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. Once I'm in there, like I just, it feels natural. And then I'm just like thinking like, this is it, dude. Like I look over and I see my son, he's just like doing this. So it's like, it, it just makes it all the more easier. Like, you know, Athletes, I, I don't think well, we're talking about mixed martial arts, baseball, basketball, football. They all talk about these healthy nerves you get. And I've had fighters say to me, they say, like, once the cage door shuts and the referee says, are you ready? You know, whatever they might say, they say the nerves just go away. Then it's just like, all right, this mm-hmm. is just what I do. Is that is that similar for you? 
that's that's exactly how it is like the moment like i'll sit like for example like i get to the event and i always sit out in the crowd and i just kind of like soak it in right and then once i start warming up that's whenever i feel like i'm having like you know anxiety and then i make the walk down the stairs and i'm just chilling i see my opponent walking in and i'm like okay this is this is good and i see my son and then that's whenever it clicks and yeah once he says you ready i'm like oh trust me i'm ready to go let's go in terms of uh, getting ready to get back in there, I mean, how, how soon can we see you back in there? Uh, I got a, like a little small minor injuries I'm going to deal with right now. My hand's a little sore from the fight. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm just going to – I'm always going to stay ready. I was in the gym yesterday running my mile still, so going to continue keeping that going. It, it is the, the mindset of, you know, trying to continue to get a fight in Fury or the back of the mindset is like hey, there's just three letters I'm, I'm chasing. Exactly. Yeah. No, if, if they say, if they say they want me to do a short notice, Hey, I'll take it. If they want me to do contender series, that's, that's what I want. Um, but if I have to do another one, then so be it. But God willing, I get, you know, I get that call cause trust that's, that's the dream. That's all I want. And, uh, we look forward to seeing when that dream can come become a reality as I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let me know that you find on social you. media and anything else you want to mention, man. Yeah, uh, follow me at uh, jtorres underscore 145. And uh, I just want to give a few shout-outs. Uh, Shout-out to my family, first of all. They always – they make this – there is a reason why I do this. They make it easy on me. And uh, shout-out to my sponsors, Aces Performance, um, MVB, and then Chiron. And then um, let's see. Those, yeah, those are the three main ones I want to shout-out. So shout-out to them. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who's now 2-0 and in his pro career. And while we hear the nickname, the hype is real, I feel like the no t- the nickname should be, I'm not wasting time in there. Eli, uh, you know, let's see here. I wrote down here, 55 seconds. Two fights, 55 seconds. Um, like, as you think about since turning professional and, and, you know, under six seconds being in the cage, like, how, how do you describe what these two fights have been like? Um, I would describe that's, uh, <laughs> I don't know, everything just happened so fast in those fights. Um, but I think that's a good, uh, that's a good problem to have because, uh, in the end of the day, I'm going, uh, I'm going back home from these fights with no injuries, no nothing and big, big state statements. So, um, I wish myself to finish more fights like that. You know, I, I was watching your pro debut there at Icon, and you know they introduced you as a you know a BJJ practitioner. Well, we haven't seen BJJ yet. Like, do you kind of look at that as a way of like, okay, it's known this is what I do, but you don't know how I do it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, in the past, it used to be like that. Maybe in the past, but uh, but always I knew I have that killer instinct instinct in, inside, and I do work very very hard on my striking. And already like three four years, I'm working very hard mostly on my striking. So nowadays, yeah, BJJ it's my DNA, you can say, but I feel very comfortable to. Uh, to strike with anyone because I'm literally training with the best guys uh, in the world. So uh, if I can strike with them in the training, I I should strike with uh, with everyone in the cage. 
And now, of course, when we talk about your story, the story starts, you're from Israel, you've made your way to the United States. So when did you come to the United States? So uh, first time I came to the United States was uh, four years ago, even four and a half years ago. And uh, I came for uh, uh, three months just to experience, to see, to see if I like the genes because everything was very new to me. And uh, I, I did have a hard time in there, first time. I did have a hard time because I came with no English. Um, the, the only English I knew was from school and, uh, and I was barely on school. So, <laughs> so I had very basic English. I had very basic English. Uh, and then, uh, you know, it's also different cult uh, culture. So it's hard to, it's hard to, uh, really, uh, say what you think, because, uh, I feel like I felt like a lot of people don't understand me. And I was a little bit shy to talk, um, but but I felt in love with the trainings. I felt in love with the knowledge I got from from, you know, it's in Israel we never have that cage work and all that stuff. And first time, uh, people showing me techniques on the cage, uh, I mean on the wall, and they show me beautiful stuff. So I took with me uh, the, the, all the techniques for Israel. And uh, I couldn't wait until I until I gonna go back. Today I feel like today I feel like home, but uh, this process took a little bit of time until I gonna feel like that. When you talk about the cultural differences between Israel and here in the United States and in Las Vegas, what what's the is there something that sticks out to you immediately about what was the biggest cultural difference for you? Yeah, definitely. I, f I feel like uh, in Israel, uh, in Israel, you know, country and uh, we're, we're very each other about um, they, they more, um, I don't know, it's like you feel more free to talk about stuff and uh, even someone that you don't know him, you kind of have his back because, you know, we both, we both Israelis, we both Jewish, we got to have each other back. And uh, here, uh, not everyone is your friend. Um, there's great, there's great people in here, but it, it, it's more competitive, you know, of course, it's more competitive. It's, uh, it's Las Vegas, the capital of the fighting world. And uh, everyone wanna do uh, big things and to be a champ. When I'm in Israel and, uh, and I'm training in the gym, I mostly don't train with people who wanna be uh, UFC champs. So everything feels less competitive. And uh, so it's different vibe, it's different vibe. But when I got this vibe, when I understood it, it was much easier and uh, it let me connect more to their culture and everything. You talk about coming here and learning English. Obviously, we can hear you. You know how to, to speak English and understand English. How did you, I don't, I don't know if I want to say master English, but how did you get a better grasp on the language? Um, so I, I, I try to talk as much as I can in here. I mean, 
in anywhere I could, I could just practice and talk a lot. I did talk a lot. In the beginning, it was hard because I was very shy. But then I understood if if I'm gonna keep just being shy and if I'm not gonna talk, I'm not really gonna improve my English ever. So I just need to let it go. Let it go. So I talk and talk and talk a lot. Then I start uh, when I got back to Israel. I heard a lot of podcasts and uh, about MMA, about stuff that I like, and I feel like it just came naturally to me. Uh, uh, after months and months and months, I start talking better and better. I still have a lot, a lot of work to do, but but uh, that's the, but I'm I'm trying to improve uh, my English. Like I want it to be the the best that I can. I saw this Instagram post you had and you said, no excuses, no complaints, no bullshit, just grind. Is that something that someone had said to you yeah. or is that just your own mentality of just kind of the way you look at day in, day out life? That's, that's my mentality. Um, I tell you something during this camp, I had, uh, I had injury in this camp. I had, uh, uh, reported airdrome. Hairdom, which is it's kind of serious, serious injury. Uh, I had a, a hole in my in my in my hairdom, and uh, in the beginning, I didn't know I was gonna continue my camp because uh, I had like I had vertigo from that. I had I had not easy not easy time with with this injury, but uh, but then I just you know I'm like okay I'm gonna do what I need to do. I'm gonna training. I'm gonna do the job. And one month, that's a lot of time. So we'll see how we're going to feel about it in the, in the future. And in my mentality, uh, I mean, I know I have the injury, but it doesn't. Uh, but if I'm not going to let it bother me, if I'm not going to think about it, it's not going to, it's it, going to bother me, but not in the same way. It's going to be much easier to deal with. So, uh, so when I'm training and all that stuff, I have no excuses. If I'm gonna show up to the fight like that, that's not an excuse. That's that's nothing. I gotta show. I gotta make weight, and I gotta win. And all the time I've been like that. My coach in Israel always teach me that way. Uh, you decide something, no excuses, no nothing. Not in the room. Someone beating you up, no excuses. Just grind, grind, grind. And um, and you know what? Even with the injury, that helped me. Three weeks after, um, I mean, it was like two, two and a half weeks before the fight. The hole start start to close, and uh, and it started to be much better. And I and I could spar, I could do everything. So I think it's a lot. I do think it's a lot because of the mentality. I think if I would be, uh, I just was positive about everything. I didn't start too much about stuff. I mean, I was careful, but. But at the same time, it just was grinding, grinding, and I knew I was going to feel better about it. So just grind, you know, no excuse, no, no nothing. It's funny that you say that because I think about my own experiences. And so, you know, being in this, you know, radio podcast world where obviously a big part of us is being able to hear. And, you know, last year I had a, a little ear, um, ear cloggage. And of course, I I had never, I guess, th thought about how your ear is connected to your nose. 
And so basically it was an infection. And I will tell you this, when you got to go to that ear doctor and they have to start prying in your ear, that sucks. It don't feel good. <laughs> you know, it don't feel good. It don't feel good at all. But, but, it, but you talk about that. It's like, Hey man, no bullshit, no excuses. You just got to grind. And I, I know exactly what yeah. you mean by that. Like now when you talk, I mean, obviously you want to be in the gym every day grinding, but do you also kind of have that mentality of like, I've got to take care of my body. For sure, for sure. It's got to come together in the end of the day. If you want to be uh, athletes in the highest levels, it's got to come. You got to have a good balance. You need to grind. You need to push yourself as hard as you can. But also, you got to recognize, I feel like when I'm starting getting, I'm still 21, so I have so much to to learn in this sport. But I feel like every year I'm getting older and older. I know my body better. And I feel more comfortable with like some. Sometimes I I I, I need uh, to take a, a day, just light or even rest for a day because my body is exhausted. I'm pushing myself hard, and and uh, as the time go, I feel more comfortable to do it. I feel more confident to do it because you, you gotta have some confidence to 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 give your body to rest. Um, if you have no confidence, you're just gonna train even when your body is injured. When you start to have more confidence and you understand the process, sometimes I give my body one day to rest and I have big energy, you know, for the rest of the week. So it's got to come together. It's got to come together. You got to understand also uh, when, when, when you need uh, to take some rest. And about, uh, about the grinding, I mean, no excuses. It's also sometimes I'm on the mat and, you know, some fighters, not everyone, but some of the fighters, they have um, they had some excuses about stuff. They had some ego problems. With me, I I don't know. I never think about it. I don't care to get beat up, even if I'm gonna get beat up, but by some fighter, and it's happening a lot in the gym, because we're working literally with the highest level in the world. I'm gonna be super tired, and I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna see who's the hardest round in the room right now. And I'm still gonna take him, and I'm tired as shit. He's probably gonna beat me up, but uh, but I gotta do it to put to really push myself. But in extreme couture, um, there's not not a lot of people with with uh, like that. Everyone everyone wants to grind. Everyone, so that's really good. That's what I really like in this camp. Everyone just grinding together. In terms of kind of what's next for you, I mean, have you started to kind of put a timetable together of, of when you're going to get back in there again? Um, so right now I'm going to go back to Israel. I'm going to check about my, my hair just to see if everything is fine. I believe everything is good. And then I'm going to uh, – the situation in Israel right now, is, it's not the best. Um, so I would w- want to stay with my family for a month, month and a half maximum. And then I want to go to back to the US right to right to the next fight. I had a long camp. I I, I, I having this long camps of like four, four and a half months and that they're taking a lot. You know, it's not the twenty seconds but but four months I four months I working very hard. So I need little rest, and I want to be active. I want to have two, three more fights this year. 
Of course, we look forward to We're seeing that. We're going to make the type bigger and bigger. Uh, no doubt about it. Look forward to seeing that. Now, one thing <laughs> I got to ask you, uh, your manager was telling me you to talk about some of the things you love outside MMA. One of the things they mentioned to me is that you're a big NBA guy. So was basketball a big part of your life growing up as a young child? Um, I, I, I did watch a lot of NBA when I was younger. And then uh, as I... As I, uh, you know, continue with the sport of MMA and everything, I watch. Uh, I barely watching, but uh, now I have a, I have a friend. He's playing uh, Israeli friend. We studied together at the same school. Now he's playing in the NBA. He's also living in the US. He's, he's playing for uh, for the Wizards. So I sometimes I watch his games. I watch his games. I, I still like NBA a lot, but I just. I, I don't have the same time to watch it, but uh, whenever I have opportunity, I uh, I like to watch him. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I grew up as a big basketball guy, so uh, it's, sometimes it's about finding that uh, that time, you know, with everything we got going on in our life to uh, be able to watch it. But uh, Eli, I appreciate you coming on the show, getting a chance to get to know you. Of course, uh, let me know they can find you on social media and anything else you want to mention. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, my social media is uh, Eli Barzilai. Um, just thank you, Jason. J- thank you for uh, for having me. Uh, and uh, that's it. Let's let's keep that uh, that hype going <laughs> to the next. And there you have my conversations with Daniel Pineda, Jarrell Hodge, Justice Torres, and Eli Barzilay. A uh, really interesting kind of uh, conversation there with Eli. Very, uh, you know, two, guy who's only 2-0 and in his career. Very interested to kind of see where he develops. Definitely a guy we got to pay attention to. Makes me wonder, uh, you know, with him being from Israel, could that be a guy that maybe we see Bellator take a big investment in here, here in the very near future? And then, of course, uh, you know, mentioned about Daniel Pineda. We talked about it right there at the beginning of the show. Uh, you know, mentioned that, that, hey, if he would have lost that fight, probably was going to call it a career. Uh, Justice Torres, that's a guy that would not surprise me if we see him him in the UFC here in the very near future. Seven zero career, kind of at that point. Maybe he's a contender series guy at some point, but some guy I think we can see there. And Jarrell Hodge, you got to imagine we we all know what the pipeline is with LFA and the UFC. It is if his next fight's not in the UFC and it's for you know the you know to, to unify the LFA bantamweight titles, if he gets that win there, definitely a guy we're going to see there uh, in the UFC. But you know, look, he also did mention Bellator, and of course that Bellator bantamweight weight division is a stack division of course appreciate uh, you taking time out of your day da- to download list this episode of the podcast of course next episode will come out on wednesday evening as myself and daniel gavon we're going to preview ufc 287 which of course goes down there on saturday down in miami i think one of the somewhat interesting kind of uh, news stories that came out today is the fact that uh Jorge Maslow is basically saying that if he gets a loss that this could be the end of his career which i don't think really comes off to me as a big surprise uh, in terms of that one. But, uh, I mean, look, it's, you know, these UFC pay-per-views are loaded up cards. And, you know, just over here at UFCstats.com um, looking at this fight card. And, of course, so, you know, one of the changes this week was Carl Williams is now taking on Chase Sherman there. Uh, Joe Pfeiffer versus uh, GM3, I think, is another kind of interesting one there on the prelims. Uh, Raul Rosas Jr., what what does he look like? Uh, Rob Font, Adrian Yanez, I absolutely love that fight. That is That, to me, is God. That's one of those fights that I do wonder after. If, if that thing goes 15 minutes, which I kind of expect that that's probably going to go 15 minutes, I wonder if that's going to be a fight that we're going to sit there and go, damn, man, wish we had another 15, you know, another, another two rounds of that one. But uh, myself and Daniel Galvan, we'll chop it up 
later on this week here on the podcast, but I appreciate you tuning in for this episode of the MMA Report Podcast. 